Welcome to the Legacy Nashville podcast. We are so grateful that you've taken the time out of your day or night to tune in. We pray that this message encourages you to love God, love people, and change the world. Now, let's get to the message. Well, the topic I feel led to share on today is one that the Lord has been teaching me on and challenging me in for the last 10 years of my life. This morning, we're going to talk about the pursuit of purity. And this is really a life message for me, um, really, honestly, to be very honest. There's like two or three messages that I've ever spoken in my life. One about the art of using what's in your hand and then this message on purity. But the Lord has had it simmering and marinating in my heart for a little while. And I remember as a student at Oral Roberts University in Tulsa, Oklahoma, seven years ago, the Lord marked my heart with a foundational, with a foundational scripture that we're going to read from today. And the rest has been history. I believe that for all people, that in the life of all people, young and old, this topic of purity is one of utmost importance. With that, let's go to the scripture. Psalm 24, verse 1 through 6. This is the, this is a psalm of King David himself. He says, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof and the world and those who dwell therein. For he has founded it, founded it upon the seas and established it upon the rivers. Who may ascend into the hill of the Lord? Or who may stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart. Who has not lifted his soul up to an idol nor sworn deceitfully. He shall receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. Such is the generation of those who seek him, who seek the face of the God of Jacob. Holy Spirit, come and breathe on your word. Holy Spirit, come and let the weight of your glory rest upon us as we talk about your word. Holy Spirit, we realize and understand that men shall not live on bread alone but upon every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Here we are ready and attentive to receive the word that, not that I have, but that you have. This morning we ask that you will come and leave no heart untouched. Leave no heart unchanged. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Are you ready? Psalm 24, verse 1 through 6. King David has a revelation. A revelation that he, see, he sees is so important that he has to write it down. He has a revelation that the earth is the Lord's. And everything in it. Including all those who dwell in it. Right? So essentially... King David has a revelation about the grandeur and the greatness of God. And then the next question, the next thing he does is he asks a couple questions that are very, very, very important. He asks, who may ascend the hill of the Lord? Or who may stand in his holy place? Essentially what he's asking is, who can stand in front of the creator of the earth? 
Who has permission, who has access to be able to come into the presence of the, of the God who is holy among holy? I think it's very important to note that the presence of these two questions that he asks inform us that there is a level of requirement for dwelling in the presence of a holy God. And I know, I know, I know, I know, requirement is a hard word for some of us. Because we rightfully understand that we're living under a covenant of amazing grace through the work of, through the finished work of Christ. But I would be remiss, remiss if I didn't tell you that the dispensation of grace is not licensed for us to improperly approach our holy God. I'm going to say it again. The dispensation of grace is not a license for us to improperly approach our holy God or just treat him or his house like they are some ordinary assets. He is holy and must be approached and treated through our lives and our worship as such. I'm so grateful to David because... Immediately upon asking these two questions, he gives us the answer. Who may ascend into the hill of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? He who has what? Clean hands. And what? A pure heart. Legacy Nashville family, God is calling us to the pursuit of purity. Now, there's three specific areas in my life that the Lord has been teaching me about in, when it comes to purity, and it's purity of heart, purity of mind, and purity of body. For the sake of this message, you'll hear me refer to all three of these as purity of the heart. Now, in order to make sure that we're all on the same boat, that we're all tracking down the same railroad, I want to give you a definition of purity that we're going to be working with so that we, we all understand, okay? Is that okay? So purity is this, freedom from adulteration or contaminations. Purity is freedom from adulteration or contaminations, amen? Now let me just paint this picture for you a little bit. We are living in the most mentally and visually demanding time in human history. With the advent of technology and and the interconnected nature of today's world, it has never been harder for the believer to protect the purity of their hearts. And like he tried to do to Jesus in the wilderness, the enemy is doing any and everything that he can to contaminate the hearts of the people of God. Because he understands that it's through the heart that God speaks. And it is through the heart that we receive our power to do the will and to do the work of Jesus Christ. Furthermore, if we were to dissect and examine any man or woman's fall into sin, we would always find that at the root is a heart that has been tainted and rendered impure. While I was a student at Oral Roberts University, my senior year, I only had a couple credits left, but one of the general education classes that I had to take was Biology 101. I had a professor named Professor Budovich, and there were about 60 to 70 people in the class, 
and nobody wanted to be there. Absolutely nobody wanted to be in that class. And Professor Budovich knew nobody wanted to be in that class. So she did something that I highly respected. What she did is she took the most applicable parts of biology and she taught us those things. And one of the things that we learned about was the study of DNA. And within the study of DNA, we learned about genotypes and phenotypes. We learned that genotypes are the genetic makeup of an individual. They're what make up you and I, what make up our DNA strand. I see Thomas Kell nodding over here. Yes, so uh, it looks like I'm, I'm, I'm tracking okay right now. <laughs> and then we learn that phenotypes are the physical manifestation of that very DNA makeup. She also taught us that when a physical defect is found in the phenotypes, in order to make a clear diagnosis, the doctor has to find out what the root issue is, which is found in the genotypes. So let me give you an example of this. Down syndrome. The physical manifestations of Down syndrome are impeded speech, learning disabilities, arrested development, and a plethora of other disabilities. But when a doctor looks at somebody with Down syndrome, they don't just see someone with physical disabilities. They see someone who within the fabric of their very genetic makeup has an extra chromosome which causes the Down syndrome and the physical manifestations we just discussed. So let's give that some spiritual application. What are the devices that the enemy often uses to contaminate the hearts of believers? Jealousy, envy, lust, perversion, promiscuity, Pride, vanity, bitterness, unforgiveness, competition, spirit of judgment. I can go on and on and on and on all day. But I would like to submit to you all this morning that all of these are simply the manifestation of the real issue, which is hearts that have been tainted. Hearts that have been rendered impure before the Lord. But the problem is this. We've only been looking at the physical manifestations. And we've been trying to fix the physical manifestations that are causing the people of God to fall into sin cycles. But today I'm here to announce that God wants to get to the root of the issue. It's time to purify our hearts before the Lord. It's time to stop playing around with sin. It's time to stop abusing God's grace. It's time to stop abusing what Christ did on the cross. It's time to pursue purity. There's four things that the Lord has taught me about purity and the pursuit of purity that I want to share with you all uh, this morning. The first thing is this. The pursuit of purity does not end on your wedding day. In fact, I would even submit to you that the need for purity only intensifies within the covenant of marriage. Why? Because the enemy hates marriage. He hates when he sees two people come into holy matrimony and covenant with God. He hates it. Proverbs 4 verse 23 says, guard or watch over your heart for from it 
flows the wellspring or the issues of life. Listen, family, our hearts are the very reservoir for our spiritual existence. If our hearts are polluted, all else within us will be polluted. There's no way around it. There's no if, there's no and, there's no buts about it. If our hearts are impure, all else within us will be impure. Our spiritual health as men and women, as children of God, is dependent upon us maintaining a pure heart. But unfortunately in the church, we've relegated the pursuit of purity and the conversation about it to young men and women who are saving themselves for sex. But there is a purity pursuit that is so much deeper than waiting to lay with a man or woman. This purity pursuit is after the heart of God. And it's a pursuit that only ends when we see him face to face. Furthermore, the battle for purity is waged each and every single day of our lives. The second thing is this. Purity is the pipeline through which the anointing flows. Some of you may be familiar with the Flint water crisis that came to national attention in 2016. For those of you who don't, I'll let you know a little bit about it. In April 2014, during a budget crisis, the city of Flint, Michigan, changed its water source from treated Detroit water, sourced from Lake Huron and the Detroit River, to the Flint River. Residents in Flint began to complain about the taste, the smell, and the appearance of the water. Officials had failed to, comply, to apply corrosion inhibitors, which is a chemical compound that when added to liquid or gas, decreases the corrosion rate of a material, which resulted in lead from aging pipes leaching into the water supply, exposing around 100,000 residents to elevated lead levels. A pair of scientific studies confirmed that lead contamination was, was present in the water supply. Almost two years later, on January 5th, 2016, the governor of Michigan declared a state of emergency in Flint. And shortly after, President Barack Obama declared a federal state of emergency and the alarm was sounded across the nation that the waters in Flint, Michigan were contaminated. But the biggest tragedy in all of this is that between six and 12,000 children were exposed to drinking water with high levels of lead. And children are particularly at risk from long-term effects of lead poisoning, which can include reduction of intellectual functioning and IQ, an increased chance of Alzheimer's disease and mental retardation. Journalist Tim Carmody wrote about the water crisis saying the Flint water crisis did not begin on April 25th, 2014. It did not begin when the wa city switched its water supply from Detroit's system. Factories and people have been dumping sewage, chemicals, and road salt in the Flint River for more than a century. This tragic mistake was the culmination of a much longer ongoing disaster 
one caused by greed, politics, incompetence, and selective amnesia. So what am I trying to say? The importance of maintaining a pure heart is not just about you. Any time that the purity of your heart is compromised, whatever flows from you will be poisonous to anyone who consumes it. We have far too many leaders and believers who have failed to maintain a clean heart. But they still continue to minister. And they still continue to profess Jesus as their Lord and their Savior and allow people to drink from the well that is their lives. But the people only end up getting spiritually sick because we come to find out that the well from which they were drinking was poisoned. It was poisonous. Second Timothy 3, 5 says that these leaders and believers have a form of godliness. But that form of godliness is void of the true power of God. They're fake. They're phony. Your power is in the purity of your heart. No purity no power. No purity, no power. Compromised purity will always lead to a tainted and powerless life. Always, 100% of the time. Yes, you can still function in ministry, You can still serve on Sunday and maybe even feel good about it. And I say this with love in my heart because we're not just talking about the things that are obvious. We're not just talking about sexual sins. We're talking about, we're talking about impure motives. We're talking about judgment in our heart towards other people, to our brothers and to our sisters. That's what we're talking about. We're getting to the root of the issue today. We're not just talking about the people who slept with somebody last night. No, we're not just talking about the people who walked in here still drunk. No, 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 no. We're talking about the good Christians who come in here who know that they have gunk and stuff in their hearts. So let's go to the Bible for a couple examples of this. King Saul. The failure that led to his ultimate demise wasn't his jealousy towards David or even his disobedience against God and Samuel. It was his tainted, impure heart. It was his tainted, impure heart that led God to say what? I'll find a man after my own heart. King Solomon, in 1 Kings verse eleven four, it tells us, For so was so when Solomon was old, that his wives turned his what? Heart after other gods. And his what? Heart was not loyal to the Lord his God, as was the heart 
of his father David. The root of King Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived fall, was a tainted heart. Fornication, lust, perversion were simply physical manifestations of his impure, unmaintained heart. How's your heart? How's your heart? How's your heart today? And then we look at King David, who understood the power of a pure heart. Even in his moment of weakness and failure, he ran to the presence of God and asked God to purify his heart once again. We read it in Psalm 51, one of the most intimate and vulnerable, transparent psalms that we have. He cries out to the Lord, have mercy upon me, O God. This is after he had committed adultery and after he had committed murder. He runs to the presence of God and he says, have mercy upon me, O God. According to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies, blot out my transgressions, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge, I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done this evil in your sight that you may be just when you speak and blameless when you judge. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin my mother conceived me. Behold, you desire truth. Where? In the inward parts. And in the hidden part of me, you will make me to know wisdom. Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me hear joy and gladness that the bones you have broken may rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all of my transgressions. And then I love what he says next. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence. And do not take away your Holy Spirit from me. Create in me a clean heart, O God. And renew a right spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence. And do not take your Holy Spirit from me. We forfeit the power that Christ paid for upon the cross when we stop pursuing purity. Even in the midst of your failures, even in the midst of your weakness, run to his presence. Run to his presence. He will cleanse your heart. He will purify you once again. Because purity is the pipeline through which the anointing flows. Number three is this. Purity is the only way to see God. It's the only way to see God. We read in our foundational verse in Psalm 24, verse 3 3 through 4, who may ascend the hill of the Lord, or who may stand in his holy place, he who has clean hands and a pure heart, 
And then we see Jesus echo this sentiment in Matthew 5, verse 8, in his Sermon on the Mount, as he gives us the Beatitudes. He says what? Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Now let me ask a question to everybody in here who wears glasses. Is there anything worse than when your glasses get fogged up? Is there anything worse than when you get a bunch of gunk and dirt on your, on your glasses? I hate it so much. Let me see if I got it. I carry a microfiber cloth around with me. That's how much I hate it. What Jesus is saying in Matthew 5 verse 8 is this. Whenever your heart is not pure, you, the lens through which you see God will never be right. The lens through which you see God will always be tainted. It'll never be right. And maybe, just maybe, that's why we have a generation of young people who have such a skewed view of God. Maybe, just maybe. I don't know. And I want to reiterate it again. The blood of Jesus has cleansed us and has given us access to God the Father. But there is still a requirement for dwelling in the presence of a holy God. And that requirement is a pure heart. We have to be so careful not to be nonchalant and careless with the presence of God. We have to remember that it wasn't so long ago that unauthorized worship would result in immediate death. Thank God we have Jesus who paid our price so that we could freely come into the presence of God, but let us not be found as a people who abuse the grace of God. God's presence still requires a pure heart. And it is only through the lens of a pure heart that we see God rightly. Number four is this. The move of God is maintained through the purity of our hearts. We talked about it earlier. And you don't have to be here long to realize that our church is experiencing a move of God. But can I be transparent with you for a moment? When I think about legacy, and when I think about all that God is doing in legacy, a part of me gets scared. Because I want this to last. I want my kids' kids to experience what we're experiencing. Not just recollect upon it as stories of old, as, as the good old days. Mm -mm. I want this to last. And I've seen so many movements come and go and many end unceremoniously with people ultimately leaving with the bitter taste in their mouths. And I also know the temptations of my own heart. The temptations toward things like competition and envy 
and lust. And I know I'm not the only one. We could all come across this stage, take the mic, and, 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 and tell, tell each other what our thing is. So in my heart, I continually converse with the Lord and I ask him or I say, Lord, I understand that the move of God is chiefly maintained and sustained by the spirit of God. But what do we do? What do we need to do to be good stewards of the movement? And his answer is always fight for purity. Fight for a pure heart. Fight for purity. Fight for a pure heart. And so in just a little bit, we're going to present ourselves before the Lord as a body and as individuals. But before I do that, I realize that there's some people in here who are like, Brian, my heart is touched. I understand that I need to purify my heart before the Lord. But to be very honest, I'm not quite sure how. And so I quickly want to share a couple practical ways that you can that you can pursue purity and maintain the purity of your heart. Number one is this, habitually consume God's word. I love the word habitually because the root word is habit. Habit. Make consuming God's word a habit in your life. Psalm 119 verse 1 says, How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. The second thing is this. Pray and worship constantly. Constantly. Why? Because prayer and worship are practical ways that we realign ourselves with God. Especially in moments of weakness. Pray. Worship. Ephesians 6 verse 8 says, pray always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. Number three is continually cast down every thought and imagination that is not of God. Second Corinthians 10 verse 3 through 5 says, though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Cast down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. And the final thing is this. Be accountable. Be accountable. Whether it's your husband, your wife, your friend, your mentor, find people who you give access to your heart and who you regularly do heart checks with. Father, we come before you this afternoon and we present ourselves before you. Father, if there's anything in us that does not please you, we ask, God, that you would remove it from us. Purge us, Holy Spirit, that we may be found pure in your sight, Lord. Thanks for tuning in to the Legacy Nashville podcast. If you'd like to support the ministry, you can do so at LegacyNashville.org forward slash give. 
If you're listening on iTunes, log into the store and give us a good rating and review. This helps our podcast reach new people with the good news of Jesus Christ. Until next week, love God, love people, and go change the world.